I think we're on. Hey! We're trying a new way of uploading these, so hopefully this works. Hey! Hi! I don't get the Bible. I don't either. And we're here to answer some other people's questions today. Oh, goody! Yay! So let's get in on it straight away. We have one question that asks, Hi, Sean. Do you believe in the notion that God's, God puts people in your path to either help you in your life journey or to help them in theirs? Why not? Of course. I think that's a reasonable conclusion that God would send people to help us or that we would help them. Yes. You think that he does, he has the control over that? I think he uh, leads people by the spirit to do things, but they have to accept that. So people who, maybe people who aren't believers in him might still be led by the spirit sure. without knowing it? Absolutely. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's just Good. like in Joseph, and when he was sold into Egypt, he came back and he told his brother, "What you did, brothers, what you did, you meant for evil, mm. but God has used it for good." Mm. Well. Mm. But does that mean God uses things that are being done, or Seems is like. it that they're led to do that? I don't do you know. know. What I mean, okay. I wish I knew. Okay. Um, next question, quote, in the beginning, the church was a fellowship of men and women centering on the living Christ. Then the church moved to Greece where it became a philosophy. Then it moved to Rome where it became an institution. Next it moved to Europe where it became a culture. Finally it moved to America where it became an enterprise. There's no question. There's just a quote. Oh, why not? It sounds reasonable. Great. Try to ask some questions. Look how easy them. we are. How, <laughs> how agreeable we are. So agreeable. Yeah. Okay. This might be a short episode. Um, <laughs> what is the name of he who Bill. is crucified? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Sacrilege. <laughs> what is the name of he who was crucified, beaten to a pulp, humiliated? What is his name? In Christianity's arrogance, after all he endured, what is his name? If you know it, why won't you say it? I do say it. And that is from our dear friend who posts things antagonistically at times. I think she means, well, I, she gets mad at me if I make a mistake and call him Jeebus. And, uh, you know, because she wants it. But the problem is, is she wants to institute a law. She wants to make it a law upon me that I must say that name. And laws destroy, and they mm -hmm. cause her to judge me wrongfully, to judge my heart. All she's doing is judging words. Mm -hmm. That's what law is about. So while I try to call him Yeshua, that was his given name, and names are important, I make mistakes because of habit. She seems to think that's a, a justification to condemn. I think it's just life. Hmm. All right, we'll leave that there. All right. Two more. Maybe we'll be a three-minute episode. <laughs> well, we're giving you a break. Okay. Hey, Sean, premarital counseling, not really what we're talking about with this study, but premarital premarital counseling helps identify core beliefs, set realistic expectations for 
marriage and plans for the future. My question is one, would you recommend this? Two, if so, should it be with the pastor? And three, should any type of counseling be with the pastor? Uh, in my estimation, you don't need a pastor uh, to do premarital counseling because pastors are wrong about some eternal things. How are they going to be right about marriage? Uh, I think that you need to talk to somebody who has wisdom. Remember, Jesus said that uh, marriage, those who marry and are given in marriage are of this world. And so it's an earthly institution. So pastors are going to give you all kinds of ideas about how things should be. But in the end, a marriage is between the husband and the wife. They work out the tenets of what's acceptable and what is not. And a pastor really has no business in that. Now, I think that premarital counseling can be a benefit because you can sort through a lot of issues before a couple gets married that could come up later and cause division, separation, and even divorce if they're not uh, kind of threshed out. So I think it can be beneficial, but I don't think it needs to be done by a pastor. I do think it should be done by somebody who you and that person, you and your spouse and that person kind of agree on the meaning of life and world perspective. Mm. Yeah. You have some work in marriage, both in the past and coming up. Yeah. So you see it as useful to talk with someone. Yeah. I think it's useful. I think there's a lot of things that need to be, for instance, when I sit with couples who are going to be married, you ask them some questions and they're stunned by, they're just like, and they look at each other like, huh. Like uh, what? Like, uh, what's a deal breaker? Mm. You know, and sometimes if he goes out and mm. I said, so automatically you've set the rule that if he goes out, you're going to leave him. Yes. Well, that brings in a law and you bring in a law, then what that does is it makes him think about going out, going out. And yeah, you're making your opinion known in the flesh, but what is the real, uh, you know, you got to talk that stuff through to make sure that's what you mean, that if you had children, that's what you mean. What, and, and really, I think the answer should be, there's nothing that will tear us apart. Mm -hmm. I'm making this decision to go all in. If he or she has a failure, I'm sticking it through. And that's not the typical, that's why I asked the question, what's the deal breaker? I have someone said, if she's mean to me, well, I mean, oh. come on, you know? So going in, there's some dialogue you can have with couples that they can face the reality of a marriage and decide then and there if they want to go through with it. That makes sense. Like, it seems you, you've been asked by so many people to meet with other people that they know before they get married. And it, it seems like the, what you said earlier is re, is the thing that will make it work, which is that you're all on the same page. Yeah. Like, the only people that are gonna listen to you are people that respect what you have to say yeah. or something. So pastor or not, like I bet there are people who have respect for the idea of a pastor, so they'll listen to a pastor. Yeah. But I mean, I, I would, I would more be, I would be more inclined to listen to somebody who's been married, yeah, and uh, and who has stuck through troubling times. I would listen to, not to use this as an example, but it is an example. Joe Rogan, or or somebody like that. Um, what's the other guy? Peterson, Jordan Peterson. Uh, They're not pastors, but they have good, reasonable uh, approach to things. And I would listen to them as readily as I would listen to a pastor because the pastor could bring in all sorts of non-applicable ideas yeah. to a marriage. 
And marriage is a worldly thing. Yeah, it's of this world. So, like, those people could have as much to offer in terms of how to That's make right. marriage work yeah. as a pastor. Yeah. All right. Well, we have one more question for this episode. Is there one true faith or church? Does God have a government? Those are two, it's two questions in one. But. I think there is one true faith. Um, and I say that because uh, it can't be good faith if it's untrue. So if you place your faith on something that isn't correct, that's called bad faith. I think it was Nietzsche who called it bad faith. But good faith has to be based on something that is reliable and trustworthy and will uh, carry through what it promises. Mm. So there is something that is a non-relative good faith. It is, uh, and, and then what's the second part of it? Does God have a government? Yeah, and his government is the spirit. And so a good faith is based on reality of what is true, and his government is the spirit to lead you to follow the tenets of that faith. But the spirit is not going to lead you if, if your faith is in a Martian, mm. right? Why would it lead you to trust in a Martian? Well, you know, it's not going to work that way. So in the faith... There is a government, but it's a government of the spirit. And the spirit is kind and long-suffering and compassionate and brings the fruit of the spirit. That's the government. It is not the will of the flesh. The anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. It is his spirit that achieves his righteousness. That's his government. And the truth is probably the best way to say it, his son. Mm. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So just uh in case this person was asking the question does god have an earthly government mm. like oh earthly of, I, I don't know if what they're asking and i hear the way you answered it but if they're asking does god have a type of government on earth oh i would say absolutely not if although men have tried to uh, impose god's government his theocracies on each other but i've yet to see one that does it in god's name that's done it right yeah. You know, they always are in the hands of man, turn out to be diabolical in one way or another, and that's not God. So I would wonder about that. Yeah. I like that shirt. It I, looks like it's linen. It is linen. It's from my sister from Sweden. Oh, I like it very much. Swedish, Swedish linen. people make nice <laughs> linen clothing. I had a feeling you'd like this shirt. Yeah. It's kind of like your peasant shirt. It kind of like might be my peasant shirt. <laughs> it's just like it. But dyed. <laughs> I've never thought of that. Even the even the seams. Shoulder. Um, okay, well, that's it for this episode. Thank you for your questions. Those are all good questions and comments. And know that any response I make is done in love. You don't have to agree with me. You can believe completely differently. And I'm going to love you as I am commanded. Awesome. Submit 